0: Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Well, today is our eighth sermon out of 12, if you're counting, as we're studying the New Testament letter of Paul to the Colossians. To summarize just a bit from last week, every morning we wake up, we take off our pajamas, we put on our clothes, As we make that transition from what was to what is, what we understand is once we are done with that particular season, we're done with that particular time, transition requires a change of clothing. And so the Apostle Paul uses that as a metaphor for the Christian life. And so as we dress our bodies every day, we also need to prepare our soul, dressing it With the character of Christ. He uses the analogy of putting off our old self, the the old self before we met Jesus, and putting on the new self once we've met Jesus, putting off the earthly things, putting on the heavenly things. What he's saying is life is to be lived kingdom down, not culture up. And the context for today is He's going to deal with relationships. How do we treat each other? Let's not treat people the way that we used to treat them. Let's treat them the way that God treats us. Another way of saying this is, let's not treat people the way culture treats people and conducts relationships. Let's think of kingdom down when we're all together in the presence of Jesus in eternity. So, as you think about how we will treat each other in the kingdom of God, let's start to work toward that each day. So, the first thing Paul's wanting to establish with us in this passage this morning, he's wanting to establish our identity. And you need to know this, your identity is not achieved by you, it is received by you. If your identity is achieved by you, then you have to earn it. You have to perform, which means that if you do very well, you get prideful. If you fail, you're miserable, depressed. So, let's be clear. Your identity is not established by your activity. Your identity is established by God, and when you receive that identity, that informs and directs your life, so you need to know who you are. So, Paul at chapter 3 of Colossians in verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... So let's pause here a second and, and unpack this. First of all, you are chosen. How many of you feel like you weren't chosen on a team in elementary school and that kind of continues into adulthood? Or, or maybe you feel like you are chosen for bad things hey you are chosen for unemployment hey you are chosen to not have hair except right here however God is one who chooses us for good things some of us have been rejected by people in authority sometimes even within our own families and you long for someone to choose you to adopt you as it were Well, when you become a Christian, God does that for you. God chooses you. You get the family name Christian, and Jesus becomes your big brother, and the rest of us becomes your crazy extended family. You're chosen. It's not that you've earned it. It's not that you can lose it. It's God has chosen to love you. God has chosen to adopt you. God has chosen to be in a relationship with you. And sometimes Christians want to come back at that and go, why? Who am I that God would choose me? The answer, I don't know. Don't try to figure it out, just try to live it out. You are chosen. The second word he uses is holy. How many of you don't have that on your LinkedIn page right now? Holy. What does that mean? It means set apart. And it's connected to chosen. As God has chosen you, you are holy. You are set apart. You are sacred, significant, valued, treasured, important. Some of you have never heard that about yourself The opposite of holy is profane. It's taking something that is sacred and making it something common, taking something special and making it ordinary. You are God's holy people, which means you've been set aside for kingdom service in a kingdom culture. So you are chosen. You are holy. You're dearly holy. Loved. What that means is that God has great affection and devotion towards you. You know what this is? This is your Heavenly Father telling you He loves you. And then here are the things that we are to put on in the morning. So, since you are chosen and holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. Now, There's one that's not a virtue in our culture. Pride is a virtue in our culture. But in the Bible, pride is to be avoided and humility is to be sought after. Remember, this is kingdom down, not culture up. And our great example for this is Jesus. Was He prideful or was He humble? He was humble. The Bible says that He came not to be served but to serve. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that he set aside all of his rights and became humble. So this is about us not being me-centered, not jockeying for position, not needing to stand out. Because you just may be standing in the way of someone seeing Jesus. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Each one of us should flag one of these five and say, okay, that one needs some work. How many of you, patience is an issue? Especially when you're behind the wheel of a car and the person in front of you isn't doing what you want them to do. So clothe yourselves with all these necessary things so that we can bear with each other. This is allowing our relationship to continue despite our differences, sometimes even over issues. So this is about having healthy relationships, and the Bible is all about healthy relationships. Now someone might come back at this and ask, do you mean that issues aren't important? Issues matter. Issues, many issues are important. But relationships are most important. You see, if the issue is more important than the relationship, then all of the relationships will just blow up every time any issue comes into existence. To this point, Paul has said who you are as a child of God, how you conduct yourself as a child of God every morning as you prepare your body physically, you need to prepare your soul spiritually so that you can live relationally. And he then It's going to talk about four marks of Christian maturity forgiveness, love, dealing with differences, and kingdom values. So bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Have you ever had a grievance against someone? Are you married? Have you ever had a complaint? When there is a conflict, when there is an issue, how do you respond to it? And this is going to be true among friends and coworkers, family, spouse, your kids, all relationships. A grievance occurs. A hard time comes. Some kind of friction comes. Something is failing. What do you do? You start by forgiving Each other. And here's the real caveat as the Lord has forgiven you. Here's what Paul is saying when someone has annoyed you, frustrated you, offended you, the first thing you need to remember are all the things that you've been forgiven of. I have to constantly remind myself that I'll never have to forgive anyone of anything more than I've already been forgiven. Again, this is kingdom down, not culture up. So this is supernatural. This isn't natural. But it goes like this. Before thinking about all of their wrongdoing, you got to think about all your wrongdoing. So you pause and you say, Lord, here are the sins that I've committed, and Lord, what you chose to do is forgive me. You see, that's the mission of Jesus. He's lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we should have died and paid the penalty for our sins. So forgiveness is the canceling of a debt, and here's what I want you to know, you've been forgiven. If you belong to Jesus, you're forgiven. So don't let that burden stay on you, you're forgiven. You don't pay God back, Jesus paid God back. So as forgiven people, we get to be forgiving people. Let me give you one reason why you should forgive. Well, besides the fact that the Bible tells us to, that's okay, that's the main one. Let me add to that. A reason why we should forgive, because it will free you. It will free you from bitterness and hurt and anger some of you have lived tormented lives because you can't stop thinking about what's been done to you. And what that means is that you're saying, I want God to treat me in a way that I'm not willing to treat them. And when that happens, it's near impossible for you to feel like your identity is chosen and holy and dearly loved. Your identity instead is connected to the hurt and and the woundedness. And you may even say, well... I can't let them get away with everything. And God would say, I want you to forgive them, not so that they can get away with everything, but so that you can get away from everything. And get away from that bitterness and that anger and that hurt. You see, God wants to free you, God wants to heal you. Now, this doesn't mean that reconciliation will necessarily follow. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. And then Paul continues. He says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is what you do, not just what you say. Love is manifest in action. The Bible says to love not just in words, but in deeds. So let me say this when love is evident, in a relationship, it allows that relationship to stop being one that we're using one another. We tend to live lives where our relationships are for our benefit. You bless me. You generate income for me. You make it so that my needs are met, and therefore I'm using you in the point at which If I don't need you anymore, somebody else is meeting a need that you can't meet, or I find somebody who meets it better than you, then I will no longer be in a relationship with you. God, on the other hand, shows us the model for love. It is not to use us, He simply loves us, and as we have that relationship with God, it transforms all of our earthly relationships. Paul continues, "So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." The best analogy for this phrase is in the world of sports. What happens in a sporting event is that there are contested calls. Even with all the reviews and the and the instant replays, there will still be contested calls. And the fan base of one team will see it one way, and the fan base of another team will see it a completely different way, and it's the referee or the umpire that has to make the final call. Here's what Paul is saying. In a relationship, there are things that you're going to have a different call on. Ever have disagreements? You put your foot down, they put their foot down. And then what? How do you respond to that? Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. That means Jesus gets to be the umpire. This is not how culture does relationships. This is how the kingdom does relationships. This is us saying, okay, we disagree, but we're Christians. Jesus, come in and be our referee. How do you accomplish that? Through prayer you pray with each other you pray for each other you go to scripture because there see what the bible says and sometimes you go to godly counsel that that's sought after these are the ways that we can deal with issues without the relationships being destroyed let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. What he's saying is when you have a relational conflict, it's very easy to be a critic. Sometimes when we're fighting, we're arguing, we want to become archaeologists and dig up everything from the past. All of, all of our failures and, and flaws are excavated. And then what happens is we forget the reason that we're supposed to be thankful for them. He's saying in the moment, for the sake of the relationship, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Again, this is kingdom down thinking about relationships. The problem is we get emotional, we get hurt, we get fearful. And this is where we literally need to stop and say, Jesus, right now, I need to put on your character. Because if I can put on your character... Then things are going to go much better. How do you learn all this? Where do you go to put all this in practice? Paul says in the church, and that's going to be the context of verses 16 and 17 that we'll see in just a second. It's church where we're supposed to learn how to do relationships. Because it's in church where we work on our relationship with God and therefore we can work on our relationship with each other. It's church where the presence of God is with the people of God. It's where the kingdom of God comes to be among His people so that we can learn to be citizens of that kingdom and become more like our king. You see, the key is whatever or whomever we worship is what we become most like So, if we get together to worship Jesus, then guess what? We're going to become more like Jesus, and then we're able to put off that which we used to be and put on who we are in Christ. Paul says it this way, let the message of Christ dwell in you, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, this is all about worship. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is about worship and relationships. That verse 17 is used in 99% of the weddings that I perform as the charge to the couple at the end of that ceremony. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give me thanks to God through Him. You see, the kingdom is a kingdom of worship. It's a kingdom of celebration. It's a kingdom with a king. And we want to be like our king. We want to be near our king. We want to be with our king. The church then is the outpost of that kingdom. So when we get together, Scripture must play a significant role. He talks about the message of Christ. Let the message of Christ, let the teachings about Christ, let the good news, the gospel about Jesus Christ be what's taught. My job is to feed you. Your job is to take in nourishment and let it, over time, digest. Your body needs food. Your soul needs the Word of God. People become healthy if they're fed the Word of God. When you raise someone from infancy, if you feed them nothing but but garbage and junk, they grow unhealthy, and then all they crave is what's unhealthy. That's how the world operates. The world is full of lots of junk food teaching in and out of the church. And sometimes people will say, well, that's not what the people want, but that's what the people need. And if we love them, we will feed them what is healthy. In addition to the Word of God, it's about relationships, getting to know one another as we practice loving one another, and it's about singing. Singing is what we will do in the kingdom of God singing because we celebrate our King. It's like cheering at the end of a sporting event because your team was victorious and you feel a part of it. So we're celebrating the great victory of our King Jesus and so we do it through, king, through singing and Paul says, when you sing, do it with gratitude in your hearts. And finally, we add serving. That's what verse 17 says is all about. We serve in the midst of relationships. We live in a world where we exist to be served, but the kingdom is all about serving. And serving is one of the ways we mature. It allows you to take all these things and put them into practice for the well-being of someone else. That's when you grow the most. When it's outside of you, you're impacting someone else. That's when the church grows the most. I don't mean just numerically. That's when we grow closer to God. That's when we grow as a body of Christ. When we're not me-centered. And we're going outside of our fellowship. So we come here as the king's children. And we ask for the kingdom to come and His will to be done. And we look at our relationship with Him and we learn that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and we've got to celebrate. As the praise team comes back and we get ready to do that very thing, we're going we're gonna to sing, we're going to celebrate. That's, that's what we do in the kingdom of God. This is what we do as a family. It doesn't matter how great your voice is. We're not going to give you a microphone then. That's okay. It's about doing it to the king. It's about celebrating who he is. We'll also take up the offering. That's letting everyone know who our king is. It's not just about me. It's allowing him to be used. Uh, Sorry, it's allowing us to be used by Him. So that's what the offering is about. It's a giving of, of what we've got from Him. It's a giving of our lives as well. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.